Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Despite the nagging, persistent injuries to my pride that the college football playoff committee constantly delivers and this week the ap voters delivered it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because i don't care because your cincinnati bearcats our cincinnati bearcats were victorious twice this week making it a great day to be a cincinnati bearcats sports fan Indeed, it is good, sir. We've got lots to talk about today. Bearcats football coming off another victory. They've made it 10, a now 10 and 0 program. Um, went down to Tampa in front of a raucous crowd. Unbelievable turnout for the number two ranked AP Bearcats. I'm just kidding. Never mind. The stadium had like 13 people in it. Um, but they ended up uh, making easy work of South Florida, despite a very quirky start to that game, to say the least. Uh, the Bearcats win that game 45-28, you know, according to some in the national media, media, maybe a bit closer than it should have been. But again, 45-28, never a doubt. And uh, our so beloved 45-28, to 28, a close score. Uh, I don't get since, that. Since the Cincinnati Bearcats entered the college football playoff conversation, that is that is the new bar for these things. Um, but we also, fortunately, had the opportunity to watch Wes Miller uh, coach his second game as the Bearcats head coach. And uh, that was against the Georgia Bulldogs, against Tom Crean. Um, and the Bearcats win that game, 73-68. Another very impressive performance. So lots to get into. I want to make sure we touch on it all. At the end of this podcast, you will hear about 30 minutes of Hummer, myself, and Sam Elliott get into the upcoming lines of the week. And of course, our beloved Good for Bearcats parlay of the week. Hummer, where do you want to? Don't forget the lack thereof quality injury report. (laughs) Just not going to do it. I'm not letting you He's sabotage. Not I'm not letting you sabotage the entire podcast. But um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with basketball? Or do you want to start with football? I will let you make that choice. Uh, despite all of the, you know, energy surrounding the matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Cincinnati Bearcats, mainly the storylines that were, you know, talked about all week, you know, with with Chad Dollar playing his old team. You know, just just all the animosity. Just kidding. I don't want to start with basketball as great as it is. Football is definitely where we need to start because, look, we are still number three in both. Still, we are number three again in AP and the college uh, college AP and the coaches polls. We're number five in the college football. We are on the eve of the college football selection show where they probably will do us a disservice and move us probably down because Michigan state, I don't know, Michigan, I don't care. At the end of the day, we are freaking 10 and 0. what an amazing accomplishment. And we got SMU this week. We do. We are finally moving on from this, uh, the dog days of our schedule, this 
unbelievable foursome of Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, and then USF. Fortunately, the Bearcats get out of that stretch unscathed and move on to competition that will garner much a much greater level of national respect, which is is frankly something that the Bearcats desperately need. Um, one thing I am disappointed with with uh, Bearcat fans all across the nation, uh, and myself included, this is me included in this because uh, I have not partaken for the amount of trash talking that we engaged with, with the university of, of central direction, Florida, we have had no online scraps with the, the Southern Methodist people of Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, where are the storylines here? Where's the anger? Where's the outrage? Uh, I want to see, I want to see us get a little feisty. You know, I'm going to have to start, I'm going to start the rev- revolution. Who's coming with grab your pitchforks. <laughs> So I, I do, before we get into the micro of that, of that matchup against USF and sort of how that game transpired and where the Bearcats are after 10 victories, I, I do want to rewind the clock here and go back to week eight. The Bearcats have just wrapped up their victory over UCF, which again was injury depleted, but it was a big matchup. One of the last big names on the schedule until this SMU game. And they win the game handedly. Here's what, here's what our resume looked like in terms of how the college football playoff committee measures some of these, some of these things. So record six, you mean week seven, but well, I'm looking at the week eight rankings, the week Ah, eight rankings. Um, So we're number two in the eight people. Now we're number three. Uh, And I would say a lot of that is largely due just to the, the institution that is Alabama football being, um, it's, it's a freight train that's unstoppable. It is snow piercer when it comes to the national media. Strength of schedule, Bearcats were 95. Strength of record, number seven. Game control, number six. And in the FPI, they were number six. Now, current day, week 12 rankings. The Bearcats have fallen to number three in the AP poll. They're 10 and 0. Strength of schedule's fallen a bit down to number 101 in the country. Not unexpected. Strength of record is now number five, uh, which, which is an improvement. The Bearcats were, again, were previously number seven in that metric. So after winning these four games, the strength of record has actually improved to number five. Game control took a little bit of a dip down to number 11, which I imagine can be mostly attributed to what happened in that Tulsa game uh, because none of the other games really ever felt in jeopardy. And then the FPI, that's where we took the biggest hit we are down to number 12. So it's just interesting to capture this. It's, I don't know if there's that much weight to put into it, but it it does feel like there's been so much tension and drama and, and kind of just nervousness in the air air from these last four weeks. And it's interesting to see that not that much has truly changed when it comes to those rankings. I mean, what do we expect when, when Alabama, the media darling, Nick Saban, spokesperson for Aflac, uh, comes in and just handedly demolishes the mighty New Mexico State. Uh, you know they were they were already on their way to, to passing us. They made them earn it, I guess you can say, by winning each week. Whatever I roll. Uh, but from the College Football Playoff Committee, every week we've come in and said, "Oh my God, they're going to do horrible, horrible things to us. We're going to get punished." First week. 
Absolutely. Number six embarrassment shouldn't have been there. Um, but then we get to move up. Michigan state loses. We move on up. We're at number five, honestly feels at the moment. Okay. I still would obviously prefer to be a four or three, you know, two Georgia's definitely our number one, but five seems like, okay, there's still a path and we can still see a path. I think this week tomorrow is really going to be the litmus test for, are they going to be willing to put, Cincinnati in the playoff. And I think that's all going to be determined. If we stay at number five, I think absolutely there is a path forward that it's, it will be us when the inevitable happens. Oregon state's going to lose a game. That's going to happen. Oregon, right? Oregon, Oregon, Oregon trail, whatever. They're going to fall off the trail. They're going to dive scurvy. They're, they're going to get stuck in Utah and they're, they're going to fall off out of the good grace of the committee, Ohio state. Oddly enough, you know, we, might be rooting for them to win out their games because we know a big 10 team is going to get in. Uh, so it's going to put down a Michigan who's already below us. It's going to put down a Michigan state below us, keep them below us. Right. Oregon loses. We go up. It's as simple as that. Right. Ohio state wins out. We go up more than likely. I actually see this happening. Alabama, maybe with two losses gets in, but if they don't, I don't think if they don't put a two loss team in, they're going to be behind us. And that's going to open up the door for another one of those, one of those one loss teams that are in the mix still an Oklahoma state, a, a Notre Dame of uh, being able to squeak in. And so this week to me is huge with what the playoff ranking committee is going to do. Cause if they drop us, I think that means they're going to be willing to jump a one loss team in front of us from, from outside of the, the big, uh, the big 10. I can't help but think that the, this is heading to a place where the committee is going to have their hand forced and they're going to have to make a, a decision that would be so flagrantly um, corrupt for lack of a better word, to not let the Bearcats in. Because this is really coming down, it's coming down to a few games. Um, you mentioned one of them. When Oregon goes to Utah this week, this Saturday, it's a, it's a primetime game. That is a massive game for the Cincinnati Bearcats' chances. Oregon is, is a road dog at Utah. Tavion Thomas is lighting up the scoreboards. He had four touchdowns in the first half against Stanford. This is setting up to be the game for Oregon to drop to send them down to two losses, which would be huge for the Bearcats. And frankly, I almost feel like it's, it's a must. Like Oregon losing is a must at this point. Um, I think that's the, that's the only must on the scoreboard because Oregon is really, when you talk about pretenders, they're the only pretender per se left up there. Yeah, and because Ohio State, like, I think them losing would still be good for us, but I got to be honest, part of it's just really hard for it to see it happening. I think that that Michigan State is not as good as the record indicates, and Jim Harbaugh is not going to beat Ohio State. Like, let's face the facts. So it, it almost seems like a foregone conclusion. If they did lose to Michigan State, that's amazing, I think, because, sure, it would elevate Michigan State for that one week, but I also could see them losing again. So maybe we're underselling the amount of chaos that could still happen in the Big Ten. Um, but then the, the big game that we've kind of just been assuming is going to go our way, it does bank on us betting against and, and expecting Nick Saban to lose in the SEC championship game. And I have been treating that sort of as a foregone conclusion based on how good Georgia's defense is. But again, it's Nick Saban. My the, the my talent is there. Not, was not predicated on that happening. I think they, they have to lose for the Bearcats to get in. If they don't lose, if Alabama wins and it's Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, 
and and a fourth. I don't. I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The fourth is, has to be someone like Notre Dame. It, it's not going. Yeah, it, it has to be someone who's already really far down the rankings to make that big of a jump over the next two weeks. Uh, Notre Dame is not going to play a, in a championship game for a conference. Right. Yeah. You have Oklahoma state, which they're, they're suspect at times. So I don't really think the committee is even really giving them a shot, uh, especially when they're at 10 this past week. So I really think Oregon is the key. And if, if Ohio state were to lose, if Michigan state goes in and beats Ohio state, we need absolute chaos. And here's what scares me about Michigan state beating Ohio state. Their last game is against Penn state university and Franklin isn't beating any big time teams. It's not happening. Right. I was so, so unimpressed. I was so unimpressed with them against so Michigan. Unimpressed. Yeah, that so, was pretty brutal. That's that's kind of where I'm starting to lean towards. And maybe it is a better to have just OSU wipe the wipe the table, basically be the Big Ten representative, knock everyone else out, because the chaos just isn't there. Yeah, and this is why we've kind of avoided this type of talk because yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, I don't my know. I'm, my head's spinning in circles at this point. We'll kind of leave it there. It's it's the point is. The Bearcats still have to take care of business at the end of the day. The Bearcats that's, that's have to take are. care of business. We're heading into a stretch of games now where we finally are up against teams that, that have a fighter's chance. So um, looking back on that USF game, I, I know we didn't close that game the way we wanted, right? I know that after going up 31 to seven, the Bearcats give up just, just a couple silly scores, right? Like they don't, they don't step on their neck and choke them out and say, this game's over we're going to beat you by 35. And instead, uh, you know, they, they, they USF has, a, has we back to back. We gave well, up a the, one play. ADR ADR drive. It's that one. It's that right. But it was back to back touchdowns. It was, it was stagnant offense there again, but at the end of the day, they came back from those two quick scores. So heading into the fourth quarter, only up 10 points and, and only some quotes go down the field with relative ease. Ethan Wright, one-yard touchdown, who's, by the way, just an absolute stud. The strength he runs with, the ferociousness he runs with, that's a guy I cannot wait to see with more opportunity on the field, and it's coming as soon as next season. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that this was sort of a return to dominance for the Bearcats in terms of how they played for after that Des Ritter interception. He was lights out. I loved the play calling after the interception. I thought that they went to more screens. They went to more quick passing routes in the middle of the field. And it was sort of a, a reminder of, oh, yeah, this is what the forte of Des Ritter is. It's what the forte of our skill position players are. Why are we not playing this style of football, this high-efficiency, um, low-risk style of football when we have these types of players? It also didn't put the offensive line in as many, of comp as, in as many compromising positions as they seem to be in with these deep dropbacks and deeper routes. Man, I, you're saying it perfectly, man. It's, it's at times we've been, we've been applauding Ritter for his, you know, increase in arm strength, but you know, far too often lay here at the end of this, these last few games, we've seen our receivers having to be waiting on some of these deep passes. And, you know, if Alec Pierce, isn't just an absolute monster, and, you know, being a master of timing his, his jumps to be at the peak of some of those, those balls that he's waiting on, you know, I think this is a completely different season we're looking at. We need to get back to those strengths. We need to keep seeing Ritter run the ball more. Uh, but at the end of the day, defense has to step up and do its job. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it all comes down to. We need to start stopping the run. 
you know, we're, we're letting these teams, um, you know, have one, have one over on us. Uh, and just defense, just, I don't know that it's hard to criticize a defense that is good, but like this week it wasn't, it didn't feel good. It, it just, it, they haven't been imposing their will and it's, it's a lack of aggression, Hummer. Like the defense, it has not been as aggressive as we would expect too often. They're sitting back in their base formations and letting the offense get comfortable. They're letting the offense settle in. They're letting a young freshman quarterback have time and being able to run around in the pocket and make the plays that he's comfortable making. Mike Tressel has shown very little willingness to be consistently creative and unpredictable defensively. He seems to trust and, and, and he seems to trust, I guess, the defensive talent so much so that he's not introducing unique and more unpredictable elements into the defense, whether it be blitzes, whether it be changing up formations, but it just seems to be, there just seems to be a lack of aggression that I'm not accustomed to with this defense. We, we we're used to Marcus Freeman the last couple of years, introducing unique blitzes and, and formation changes and, and really leaning on that high risk, high reward football and instead, we've settled into this middle ground of low risk, low reward football. Like there's not a lot of risk being taken. We're giving up a, a lot of yardage. And then we tighten it up in the end zone because we are more dominant and we have more talent. And we bank on being able to either force a turnover or force a field goal. And it just, I, 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 I don't think that's playing into our strengths. Yeah, oddly enough, too, and I'm actually looking at the box score right now. From a box score perspective, we didn't do too bad on the run. 101 yards, 2.7, you know, per carry. It was actually our receiving Florida State's or Florida State South Florida's uh, receiving that actually took took the cake there. You know, we 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 they only completed about 50 percent less, a little over 50 percent of their passes, but their average was 15.3 yards per catch. Um, and maybe I'm just not remembering too much of the game, even though you know I was not. I was, I was pretty sober for, for this one, but well, it was, uh, it was a Friday game, which and we're recording on Monday, which makes it feel like a week ago. It makes yeah. it feel like it happened in a different time. Um, I no, mean, it's, I it's guess we, we have it's, a, we have a skew there with an 80, 80 yard long space. Oh, amount was what a, almost a screen type pass. You know? So there is some, there's some skewing in the evidence there, but it seems like we gave up a, a few more big plays that game uh, than what we're used to. Here, here's here's some of the things that stand out to me that are probably why you the defensive performance did not feel as dominant as maybe the statistics would say. Uh, first off, it's USF and they were they're not a good offense to begin with. Like this is a a freshman quarterback that we should have been harassing and making his life a living hell back there. He did throw two interceptions. We did force a couple fumbles, so we forced four turnovers in total. We also didn't feel that as much because we turned the ball over three times ourselves. But the big high leverage plays that our defense finds itself in time and time again, these last few weeks, third downs, we gave up seven third down conversions on 13 attempts. We, and then USF also went one for one on fourth down conversions. That means on the 14 highest leverage plays defensively, USF converted eight of them. And that's too high. That's where they don't, we haven't really seemed to have, have the magic touch and, and Trestle hasn't had the feel for, what are we doing in these moments to get the big stop to get our offense the ball back? 
because that's the thing that really has to change against a team like SMU, Houston, and then whoever we play in the college football playoff. Well, let's talk about the good. How about that? Let's do it. Besides the weird first two plays on offense for the Bearcats, um, Des Ritter looked good. Great. He looked great. Yeah. He looked he yeah. looked he looked incredible in the first half. Um, they obviously threw an out pass, which I, I was going to read you a, a tweet I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, someone was calling out that that Mordecai was so much better than Des Ritter, and and statistically he's had a more productive season. Um, Joe Joe Broback, who is a, a good college football mind, check him out at Dro, Joe Broback on Twitter, wrote. If Cincinnati wasn't infatuated with making Ritter throw out routes every other pass, I think it'd be closer. And the point there is Ritter has been forced to throw and kind of thrive in a system and that that's play calling has left much to be desired at certain times this year. But in that first half, he was lights out. The accuracy was there. The timing was there. Um, and lots of rushing attempts. Des Ritter in this game ran 13 times for 65 yards he has become very aggressive and very assertive in the running game, and we have become better for it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was lights out in my opinion. Another another guy who stepped up, you know, Ryan Montgomery. He's I think he stepped up. Ethan Wright looked like a a bull at times, uh, but look with the absence of of Jerome Ford, you know, potentially future NFL running back on some roster somewhere on the other side of the amateurism spectrum there. Um, I think they did all right. I think they did all right. Filling the, filling the need when you have a guy that looms as large as drone Ford, because I think this game is completely different. If you have drone Ford running back there, cause he is just so good and so fast. There's so many of these plays that, you know, you're running, you're breaking some, some long, you know, 15, 18 yard things that drone Ford just has the ability to break it off even further. It's like, you're watching the, these, the defense that we're playing against in South Florida. And you're like, all right, when are we going to break one loose? When are we going to break one loose? And I feel like drone Ford might've broken two loose against that defense. Yeah. The, the, the breaking loose happened on the very last possession when we thought we were just going to kind of run it out. This would have been like a 10 point victory. And then Ryan Montgomery broke off that 55 yard run at the very end uh, to pad that up to 17, which, we, we shouldn't lose sight of the, the biggest play for me in the first half that I think we should come back to. And it kind of has, to, it goes hand in hand with our running backs fourth and two at the USF 49 fickle gets that big thick energy and says, yeah, we're not punting this. We're going for it, which is the right call. The absolute right call. Uh, well, from the 49 yard line. Oh That's no, never mind. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. So they hand the ball off to Ethan, Wright, And he, he, by all means is, is by all, Anyone in the right mind watching the play says, oh, we got stuffed. We're getting stopped at the 49. USF gets good field position. We'll see what happens. It's seven to seven at this moment. Ethan Wright, it was one of the most beautiful, forceful, inspiring runs I've ever seen. He fights his way to basically get those two yards. I would say the, the first down call was, was fortunate for the Bearcats. It was very iffy, 50-50 type thing. But he got the call gets the first down and, and kind of flips the script for the Bearcats. They go on to score a touchdown that drive and make it 14-7, and we're sort of off to the races at that point. So I thought that play in particular was sort of like 
reestablishing the, the world order for the Bearcats of imposing their will and, and beating up an inferior opponent. Look, I've already said it. It's great. We had we didn't have Jerome Ford. The guy stepped up. The uh, Ethan Wright looked like a, 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 a just a bull with it with a second second burst of energies there. Uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to playing these next two games, SMU, uh, Houston, we are going to need we're going to need our guys back. We're we're going to need Jerome Ford, I think, for for some of these games. So let's hope these guys get healthy. Uh, it's an extra little a little extra week for them, which is good. A little extra day of break there. Yeah, and, I, and I've got one one sort of parting thought as we head into SMU. We don't do a ton of the game previews, but I've been sort of looking forward to this game in a in a weird, sadistic type way because I'm desperate to play a team that has a functional quarterback and a new level of aggression to think they can actually move the ball for real on this defense, right? Not not ball control, keep away type offense against the Bearcats, but no, no, we're going to attack you and go after your cornerbacks. I can't wait for this. I can't wait to see SMU and Mordecai really take some shots against this defense and play a style that isn't so playing not to get blown out. SMU is going to play to win this game. And I think that's actually going to be, it's counterintuitive, but I actually think that's going to bring the best out of our defense. And we're likely going to see one of the more impressive performances we've seen defensively since dating back to that first half of the central Florida game. I really think you're going to see the defense step up big in this game. And, and I know there's a couple injuries lingering out there that we'll find out more about in the, as the week progresses, but I do think getting back to playing a team that's actually playing to win and be aggressive and attacking actually plays right into the hands of this defense. Well, I, I agree with you on that front because the difference between SMU and a Tulsa and uh, a Navy and a South Florida is that SMU can win this game. SMU has the ability to beat the Bearcats. The Bearcats though, have the ability to demolish SMU if they, if they, if they, if they execute right. So I think that's where I think you could be right there that if they're preparing it, this just isn't, you know, this isn't business. You, this isn't a South Florida. You're supposed to roll. This is a team that's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard fought game. You know, we're getting a spread of 12, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think this is not going to be a blowout. If it is, then I'll be cheering just as, just as much. But I think this is a game that, you know, they're saying that this is going to be a dogfight. SMU is coming in because they're playing for something, you know, but at the end of the day, we got to get through this one because then the big test is really going to be uh, a team in Houston who hopefully is ranked in the college football playoff rankings this week. Um, but they could be playing for, you know, they're going to be playing for a conference championship at that point. And with the, with them on a one loss team, you know, maybe they're eyeing a, a new year's six bowl and, and they want to get some extra cheddar in their coffers. So there's going to be some real stakes in that game. Um, you know, let's get it done. Huge test for Mike Tressel. Right. For, for, and, and honestly, a lot of pressure when you consider that people are starting to see some, some weaknesses in the defense. And, and I don't think that a lot of it is attributed to players. The script fact, is written, man. The script we, has been written on the Bearcats and what you have to do. So, well, and we, and we've been told time and time again, how much NFL talent is across this entire defense. And so when you have the talent, there's not a lot of question about what the players are doing on the field. It's more about schematically. Why aren't we executing as at high level 
as we have in the past couple of years. So I think huge test for him, huge test for the team. I'm looking forward to it. I'm desperate to move past this, this BS four game stretch that we just had to play against the bottom, you know, the cellar dwellers of the American athletic conference. And I think it's good for the team to move on as it is for us to move on Hummer. And I think that's a good point for us to shift the conversation from football to basketball. We mentioned it earlier, uh, but West Miller and crew have started out the season two and zero after a 73 68 victory over Georgia, a nice uh, preview, hopefully of what's to come on the football field again, but take me, uh, take me into the mind of Ryan Hummer as you are watching this game and, and seeing the Bearcats get off to a slow start. They fell down 11, two early in that game, but by the end of the first half, they're heading into the tunnel with a nine point lead. Uh, what kind of jumped out at you on the basketball court? Well, the first thing, I'm just going to go and get my hot take out of the way. All right. I'm going to get my hot take out of the way. Uh, come Tuesday, December 28th, we're going to be playing the 10th ranked Houston Cougars in Kempom. Not yet. I don't know what their rank is in the AP. I haven't even looked, but in Kempom. So uh, it's our holy Bible here. Uh, the Bearcats will be number 25 in Kempom by the time we get to that game. Okay. Okay. I don't know if we ever got a formal prediction on the record from you for what the Bearcats record would be this season. I get to cheat. I get to cheat this year. We Cause I got to see the first two games, <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I can assure you that this is, this is definitely a leap from where you were mentally with this team heading into the season. So why are you so much more bullish then and confident that this is a team that could find themselves ranked after non-conference? This team, while it's still at times, I don't want to use the word struggling. Maybe that's not the, not the right word on offense. You know, I think there's enough offense. I think there's enough offense that it's going to be able to get the job done. But the defense is going to be, I think, what we hang our hat on at the end of the year. And I, don't, I only think it's going to get tougher as we go along. I think it's only going to get better as we're getting more game time experience. And I also think it's going to get better as the rotations start tightening up. Look, we played Evansville. We played Georgia, who's not very good, you know, for, for all intents. We're playing. Well, they're next. projected to be the worst team in the SEC. It's a bad right. team. Georgia's not expected yeah, to they're be. Not, good they're team. not good. But we're also getting ready to play an Alabama AM, Presbyterian, two atrocious teams. We're get right now. These are basically four exhibition games that the cats are playing and we're going to tighten up rotations. We're going to be limiting mistakes. We're going to, we're going to be learning as we go. So by the time we get to Illinois, we're going to be hyped. I think this team is going to be hyped and you're going to have these guys maybe hopefully playing shake, having shook all the rust off, having as fun as Wes Miller has, has been saying. And so I just think this team has a lot of things that can translate against some of these tougher opponents the defense being one of them. The fact that Wes Miller is consistently talking about winning the battle of off the glass. And what we've had 10, we had 10 years of Mitt Cronin. We know winning the battle off the glass is a, is one of them, probably one of the, the many correlating factors of victories and with Mitt Cronin's teams. And I think it's going to be the same with this team, with the way it's constructed and the talent that's on it and the style of basketball they're playing. So the offensive struggles We'll get into that, but that's not unique to the season. It's not like we were some elite offensive team the past couple of years. We've gotten used to offensive struggles, but for some reason through two games, I haven't noticed it as much. 
And, right. and I, we pay close attention to this stuff. We look at the stats. So, so I know what the stats tell me and I know who's missing shots and I know where, where the weaknesses lie on this team. But the reason we're not noticing it so much is that defensively, the team is dialed in. They're executing. They're hustling. They're winning 50-50 balls or 60-40 balls or 70-30 balls or 80-20 balls like Wes Miller described it in the postgame show. To echo your point, one of the biggest statistics out there right now, the Bearcats are top five in the country so far in limiting offensive rebounds for other teams. Teams are not, and it's only two games, but it's top five in the country in not allowing offensive rebounds. And that, to me, I mean, that is a huge, dramatic shift. Even from, I mean, last year they weren't necessarily bad at it, but this is a team that is, that is cleaning up on the defensive we garbage. So we were garbage at rebounding last year. That was one of our biggest, that was one of our biggest well, I just, complaints. Yeah, but we were, we were a top hundred team on the defensive boards last year. And, we were and a, a lot 117 that, in camp home. Come on. We weren't, we Tari, weren't Tari Eason was an elite rebounder. I don't want to have an all, but we were doing an elite right. job on that. end. so when, when stops are happening and we make the team miss a shot, we're grabbing that defensive board. And, and a lot of that can be attributed to, well, a, a, a front court that has been completely revamped and you've got Victor Locken, who's been the star of the show so far. I would say the player that's getting easily the most buzz on social media easily the most buzz. If you're just talking at the water cooler with your friends or family, he's been exceptional and, and he's paired with Hayden Koval, Odio Guama and, and, and Abdul do these guys are, are big and they're rebounding extremely well. And I think it's a big part of the Bearcat success. And like you said, this is rebounding translates to whatever the competition is. Like we're going to play better front courts, but this is a team that can rebound, will rebound and should be a great presence in that aspect of the game going forward i mean on campom one we take care of the basketball on offense we're we're in the top 25 in in turnover percentage uh lowest and for the lowest tone turnover percentage we're in the top 10 for offensive rebound percentage like teams like that's like you mentioned like, it's not just like we're we're now this is very early it's a two-game sample Sample size here. No, no, no. We're not in the top 10. That's defense. Like our, we're limiting teams to offensive rebounds at a top 10 clip. Top five. Yeah, that's, clip. What, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant we're not grabbing offensive rebounds. No, 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 no. Yeah. Clip. Yeah. Okay. On the defense, from the defensive metric side, side of things, that's huge. Uh, there's just, there's just, there's just some signs that if this continues, and look, but look, let's look at, I don't want hey, to go on the, the turnover thing though. Let me, can I, can I drive home that turnover point? You mentioned yeah, being, yeah, being a team that's executing and, and, and basically being our turnover percentage is, is off the charts low right now. The team's not turning the ball over and we're two games into the season with a group that hasn't played well before, hasn't played together before and has a brand new coach. This was the problem with the Bearcats the past two seasons. Our turnover rate in 2019 was 20%, which was good for 263rd in the country. Last season, 20% again, 258th in the country. You flip the script to early this season, and the team is executing. They're not turning the ball over. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when you just stop shooting yourself in the foot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they move from Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions to Tom Brady... Tom freaking Brady. What happened? They go from a team that's not making the playoffs to a team winning the Super Bowl. 
I'm not saying that's the change that's happening, but I am saying we have a chance of being a hell of a lot better. You're simply saying by a, you're saying that's a change that happened. <laughs> simply by not shooting ourselves in the foot. Look, we we've heard this as Bearcat fans for 20 years, 30 years, that you want to win the turnover battle. You want to win the battle on the on the glass. And when you do those things, it leads to victories. And if the Bearcats continue to do that, it's going to lead to victories. And look, our schedule leading up to Houston is pretty much a cakewalk. There's three games on there that are that are going to be challenging. Illinois, Miami of Ohio, I think is actually going to be challenging in Xavier. If we come back, we come away out of those three games and we win two out of the three, this team most certainly will be in the top 25. It might, it will at least be getting votes at the very minimum on the outside of the top 25 on the AP polls. Like this is going to, those are going to be monstrous games. And I think because of our defense, the way they can play, we have shots. We, we can, we can match up against this. And a lot of teams aren't going to be able, I think to handle, you know, guys like Corval or, or uh, big Dick Vic. <laughs> and, I, I and wanna... while we're on that, on that, that question of, of, of a big, 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 um, are you, what was the right ways to phrase this question? How were you expected? Was this expected by you? Were you expecting to be this excited or this? What, what were your expectations about Vic coming into the season? Don't want to load the question up for you too much. Anyone who tells you they expected this out of Victor Lockett two games into the season is lying. Nobody should have expected this. Nobody could have expected this. He is the biggest surprise of the season. And it's, and it's a surprise that can ultimately, in my opinion, unlock the offense. If there's one thing this team really can't do very well, it is shoot. And it was very predictable. All you had to do is look at the shooting metrics from last season. Look at how David Julia shoots the ball. Mike Saunders jr. Uh, Mason Madsen. And, and that's largely shot selection, frankly, John Newman III, Micah Adams-Woods, these aren't elite, elite shooters. And, and a few of them have the potential of really growing into one. I think Mason Madsen, with more time, is going to be an elite shooter. I think Micah Adams-Woods is a 35% three-point shooter. And I think, you know, it's not like Newman, DeJulius, and Saunders can't hit shots, but they're not shooter shooters. Um, Victor Locken is already showing signs of being able to kind of facilitate offense from that high post position. And his vision is truly elite. We saw him with the, the alley-oop pass to Odio Guama in the first half. We saw him with the backdoor cut to Mason Madsen, who didn't make the layup, but elite cut, elite pass. What Victor Lockett is doing is, is going to give Wes Miller a lot of options going forward into the season. And he's not a one-trick pony. Like, sometimes you would expect a guy like this to be, oh, you know, kind of like the soft, skilled European uh, big who can't necessarily play defense or rebound. No, he's a tough rebounder. He's already blocking shots and, and he's hustling and switching and already demonstrating a high basketball IQ throughout the game. I think it's a huge development as the preseason went on. This is where people did start catching wind of, Hey, like Victor Locken is dominating practices. He's scoring more. He's rebounding more. He's blocking shots. He's, he's getting assists. That was picking up steam. That doesn't always translate to the court. The magical thing in his case, it, it is. It's what's what we're seeing on the court is reflected in the stats. 
And if he stays healthy, and this is a guy who struggled with knee injuries from, from last season and, and going into this offseason too, if he can stay healthy, this is going to be a special, special player for the Bearcats. I'm trying to... <laughs> you made the comment about being a one-trick pony, and the only thing I'm trying to find on YouTube is, is to play the sound of uh, more cowbell, more cowbell. Um <laughs> Uh, for those of you who listen to this podcast or follow us on Twitter, you know exactly what we're what we're talking about. I'm not going to bring this name up anymore. That period well, of my our I life am going to I am going to bring the name up, but in a different because oh. I, I mean we're talking. I'm talking about Lockin a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to over do overkill there. He's definitely been kind of like the highlight of the first two games. Hayden Koval. Oh, awesome. that wasn't the name I wasn't going to talk about. I was talking about Chris Vogt. I know, but you made me the, say the name. <laughs> the reason I'm, I'm, it is getting a Chris Vogt because I think people made this, the easy comparison of Hayden Koval being the next Chris Vogt. And if you've watched the first two games, you could see it's anything but. This is a big who's extremely disciplined defensively. He challenges every single shot at the rim. And then offensively, who hit the biggest shot against Georgia? When Georgia cuts the game to four points, who hits the biggest shot, Hummer? Hayden. <laughs> Hayden Koval. Pick and pop, wide open three, buried it. That's just, it's such an interesting, but va- it's actually a simple but valuable skill set. Like, protect the rim, hit an open shot. That's it. That's what he does. He's elite at it and, it, and it, and it's a great option. And he pairs very well with every single big on the team. You put Koval with, with Oguama, lock in or a do and i'm pretty sure he can thrive like he is he's basically the guy who doesn't need to have the ball in his hands but can still bail you out of so many situations now do i know is is hayden koval the the guy we want you know shooting seven ten, ten threes a game probably not you know i don't know but the fact no. that he can the fact that he can be out there though and you have to as a defender think about guarding him that's huge it just stretches the floor a little more it's going to open up more opportunities so it's it's fantastic that we don't have a guy who just sits there in the center of the of the lane just clogging it up. It's good that we have a guy who can play all over the court as a big and then come back down on defense and swat the ball away, protect the rim, play hard, be a little faster, a little nimbler, not look as as stiff all the time. So look, that's that's phenomenal. And the fact that we have so much depth at the big position is what's also very exciting to me. Because like you mentioned, these guys can all they can play at the same time on the court together. It's not, you know, we had so many vulnerabilities on last year's team where if you had a Chris vote out there, you probably couldn't have a mama do out there at the same time, right? You couldn't have Rapalus and vote on the court at the same time. They just they didn't play well together. All of these players, they complement each other in in a way that's just much different than what we're used to in the past with having having bigs like this. So to me, that's exciting. I'm also excited that we do have basically three guys who are taking care of the basketball from, from kind of a four general kind of standpoint, you have David DeJoyce who's coming out there and being a great, great ball handler, not turning it over, making, I think good, good decisions on that front. You have Mike Saunders jr. You can take who's coming in, taking it over and showing his flashes of speed, being able to, to cut to the hoop quick and score baskets quickly. And then you're still seeing Mike Adams Wood just being, being a rock with the ball. So, I mean, there's, what more can you say? And then on defense, we're watching guys keeping the ball in front of them and getting steals. We, we're, we're watching Hayden Koval get a steal in the in the mid court. 
guarding as, guy one on one. As Beautiful. they as they get more comfortable and as West Miller gets more comfortable in what lineups he's going to play, I think you're going to see him press more. I think you're going to see him really accentuate what John Newman, what Mike Saunders can do when it when it's on ball defense. David DeJulius in the same category. These guys are quick, tenacious, strong hands. I, I think that the defense is only going to get better, which is a scary proposition when you consider where they're at right now. Um, kind of my final takeaway on that Georgia game is in the final closing minutes, sometimes that's when a team can really tense up and get unsure of itself, especially a team that hasn't played much together. This team executed really well down the stretch against Georgia. They didn't necessarily hit all the shots, but you saw Jeremiah Davenport attack, 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 attack in the closing moments of the game, not settling for, for bailout jumpers, um, in, you know, in the mid range. You also saw them get Hayden Koval a wide open three point look. You saw guys, I mean, we saw wide open looks and we saw shots at the rim. If that's going to be the style of play at the most high leverage moments for the Bearcats, and if that's what Wes Miller has already gotten this team to do two games into the season, it feels like we are getting a lot of confirmation bias that this is going to be a very, very, very well coached and strong team heading into conference play and beyond. That's why I think my final record prediction is regular season, not including any tournament games at the moment. We'll, you know, can't cheat, but 20, uh, 23 and seven. Uh, 24 and seven was my official uh, prediction. I think you're omitting the game. They will I play am post the Illinois uh, when they'll either play Kansas state or Arkansas. 24 and seven. I've got to so go to Sam. You're copying your boy. I'm just glad I'm on the record before the season. Yeah, you are fair enough. I'm copying, copying my boy Coomer here. I do think that's going to be the record. Uh, I think we're going to march in to, to uh, North Norwood and we're going to crush. <laughs> we're going to crush the nuts of Xavier. Um, uh, that that's that's a foregone conclusion. That's an early Christmas present for us. Anything but a foregone conclusion, considering our record in Cintas. But I do feel like when your defense plays like this, when you have a team that defends like this, and this was the McCronin era to a T, every single game you got a chance. And here's why honestly, I, here's why from an offensive it, execution standpoint, what we're seeing early on here is is better than what we had previously. So here's exciting, why I'm bullish. Exciting here's, here's why I'm bullish on it. It all comes down to Wes Miller and his attitude and how he's like, yeah, we want to win this game. We yes. want to beat the snot out of Xavier. Like yes. he, he gets it. He gets it. It's the rivalry. It's the passion. So I think these players are going to be fired up for it. And the fact that you're hearing them talk about like, look, I got to give, I got to give all the props and world the fans. I've been trying to buy tickets for Tennessee tech mama do DR's homecoming. And you guys are making it hard for me to get good seats. <laughs> They're not available on StubHub. They're not available on SeatGeek. They're not available on Vivid Seats, and they're not available through general sales. Way to go, Bearcats fans, making it difficult for fans to buy tickets to single-season games. That is a beautiful problem for us to have. Keep it up. And the fact that all that does is, look, you got Wes Miller complimenting how, how great the crowds have been. The players are talking about how insane you guys have been. And that's only going to help with additional recruiting as guys are coming in, visiting it, seeing the atmosphere. 
and look, we're watching these guys play and have fun. We're seeing these players smile while they're on the court. They're up there flexing, high-fiving each other. Like, I love it. The vibe uh, is good. The, the vibe, vibe is, is so immaculate. Good. And I just have immaculate. A, I have a feeling this is going to be the first time in a long time Xavier's played a Cincinnati team that wants – the coach wants to win this game. I love it. Let's leave it there, Hummer. Uh, we'll move on here. You're going to hear an interview uh, or a conversation with Sam Elliott about upcoming lines of the week. I'm, no words. No words <laughs> for how that went, but if you, if you make it to the end – uh, bless your heart. We are now joined by Sam Elliott at the Sam Antics on Twitter, the gambling expert for the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Expert's a strong word after how we all been doing lately. Speak for yourself. Speak. Did you not see our, our good for Cincinnati parlay? Speak for yourself. We are now thousandaires. <laughs> no, we're not. No thanks to James Franklin and uh, his horrific play calling oh, for the Penn State gosh. Nittany Lions. But, Sam, it's good to talk to you again. It's that time of the week when we need to chat about the Cincinnati Bearcats upcoming matchup, maybe get an update on playoff odds. You know, anything you found personally interesting. So where do you want to start this week? Okay. Maybe? Well, let's talk about those college football playoff uh, rankings and the odds and odds and ends there. So I don't think I don't think we talk enough about the, the playoff odds. I don't think we talk enough about playoffs in general, right? Okay, I'll talk about. Well, so it. so it's really picked up. They've really picked up since the the you know, rankings have started to come out. But let's just go all the way back preseason. Preseason Bearcats to make the college football playoff. You were looking at a yes number at anywhere between plus 1100 to 2200 um and the no they were very confident in the no the no was anywhere between minus 3000 to 6000 so preseason outlook was very confident against cincinnati so here we are now two we've had two sets of rankings come out in between the first and second set of rankings you know bearcats moved up a spot that's great but their odds actually got worse to make the playoff. Um, so I, this time a week ago, before that second set of rankings had come out, or maybe you know after the between then and now, they're now and then. Uh, the Bearcats, yes, yes to make the playoff was at like plus one fifty, plus one seventy five. No was at like minus one seventy to two ten. So books were still pretty confident that we, Bearcats are not getting in. However, you know, Bearcats went up one spot. We got closer. They got a little bit closer to that top four. But now, right now, before this third set of rankings come out, which we don't think is going to change too much based on the previous week, right now, that yes to make the playoff number is like plus 250. And the no is minus 320. So the books are becoming more confident <laughs> – <laughs> that the Bearcats are not going to make it. Meanwhile, they're actually, they crept a little bit closer. It's, how, how, do a, that? how do you figure that? That's such a red flag. It, well, that's a huge red flag. What do you, what do you make of that Hummer? What do, what do you make of the Bearcats odds getting worse? Or I guess getting, Despite, Vegas yeah, is getting yeah, more yeah. confident in the Bearcats not making the playoff after beating USF. And honestly, it was the most, 
it was the most impressive win in, in recent weeks for Bearcats when you consider they at one point ripped off 31 consecutive points, were up 31 and 7 in the game, and finished with a 17, 17 point victory. Do I have that right? I know, but you that's do. Never, you nothing's do, but ever going to be enough. You're, you're loading you, the question up for me here. Um, I think what Vegas is actually saying is they're not, it's not that they're unimpressed with Cincinnati's win. I think they're getting, they're growing more confident in other outcomes happening. For instance, maybe they're confident that Alabama is going to beat Georgia and you're going to have two one loss SEC teams. Maybe they're confident in Oregon beating Utah twice in a row. Maybe they're, they're confident that Ohio state's going to beat Michigan state and Michigan, you know, all of these very freaking unlikely situations Vegas is getting incredibly confident in to say, you know what? The Bearcats win out and they're not going to make it because these, those things are going to happen. No, what they're really telling me is, is do you have it up there? What is Notre Dame's odds for making the, the playoff at this point? While Sam looks that up, I'm going to filibuster a little bit. I, a- I think that's one, <laughs> that's, that's certainly one way to look at this, that they have, they're calculating outcomes that could potentially happen here in the future. I, I'm a little skeptical of this because there's a few things that are coming up this week that are big for the Cincinnati Bearcats. First off, the big, and and that happened last week. So we know that Oklahoma lost to Baylor. Uh, as called here on the Cincy Slangin' Podcast, Oklahoma is first. going to lose two of their last three games. That was the first of them. They're they are then going to lose to Oklahoma State here, uh, not this week, but the week after. I also, I also know that Oregon is traveling to Utah this week, and Utah is favored in that game. So they know that a that a Pac-12 team, a poser that currently sits above the Bearcats in the playoff rankings, is right now favored to actually lose their game this upcoming week. Um, and, and Utah is led by former Bearcat Tavion Thomas. I, I they they probably feel confident in Ohio State. You know, yada yada yada. Ohio, um, Alabama, and Georgia—they're doing their thing. Here's here's what I think they're probably getting more confident in the narrative that the playoff committee is currently shaping, right? Like the things they see happening behind the scenes, the moving parts, the intricacies of this uh, unpredictable playoff committee. They actually view it as very predictable and they see them tightening their grip on keeping this very much an invitational rather than an actual playoff based on merit. They're saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll actually take the view that no one really wants to hear. And I think Vegas is actually starting to think that the Bearcats aren't going to go undefeated. I think that they're thinking the Bearcats are going to lose one of their last two games against SMU or Houston. There's a take. Man, there's Palmer. a take. So is <laughs> The last person I would have expected to hear that take from. Are we That's taking over the, the mantle for Oklahoma as sort of having, having – games with where with unsteady footing and they're just seeing it as a bit of a trend and a team that's ripe for the picking like Oklahoma was at Baylor. I think that's what they're thinking, man. You, we, you yeah, they the think last, we fit that profile. The last four games and look by all accounts, we'll get into the South Florida game. We know we were in control of that game the entire time. We were never in doubt of losing that game ever that it wasn't there. Right. We were, we were crushing in the first half, second half. We let them get kind of close, but there was still two scores away. And then we run away with it. I would say if you read Bearcats Twitter after the Des Ritter interception, you maybe would have thought of whole fan base thought we were going to lose that game, which was in the, Oh, in the first, very, the first first quarter. 
yeah. a, a very subpar performance by our fan base. Our online. Well, yeah, vocal I'm not, look, I'm not talking about the, the performance of the fan base, but I'm saying, like, look at the last four games. They haven't been exactly statements against the competition. Everybody, you brought this up earlier, not on the podcast, but before we talked to you, they gave them shit about, excuse my language there, but Alabama beating a very ferocious New Mexico State team. But they did do it convincingly, right? It was 50-something to three. And we're playing teams that are viewed as equal to, if not worse, than teams like New Mexico State. <laughs> and we're not putting up. 50 points and we're, we're giving up 20 something points. We're, we're, we're winning by a touchdown. We're not winning. We're not blowing it out. It's not convincing. So I think Vegas does look at us and say, you know what? The Bearcats seem ripe for the picking. So where, where's Notre Dame at right now? Uh, Sam, there it is. That number. Yeah. 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 Notre Dame. It's actually like surprise, like pleasantly, I don't know, pleasantly surprising reassuring to see here. Notre Dame props to make the college football playoff. No minus 800. Yes, plus 550. So they, they, they don't really see that. They don't see that path where that, that's, there was some they're sort a longer, of, they're a yeah. longer shot. They think they're a longer shot than the Bearcats. And I think part of that is because the books, Vegas and the books have seen the committee actually put some, put some strength into the, head-to-head side of things between with the, you know, Oregon and Ohio state. So I think, I think that the books think that the committee will hold to, will, will hold that head-to-head result between the Bearcats and the Irish above all else. Well, I think the biggest thing that they, when it comes to Irish, those two teams, no, when it comes to the, the rest Irish, of the teams in this thing, they're all, you know, who knows? I think what they're thinking is the biggest thing that the Irish need to get in is that, they need Georgia to win out. That's number one. Georgia has to win out because then that can knock Alabama down. Two, Oregon needs to go and lose one of those two games to Utah. That needs to happen. And then that knocks Oregon out. And number three, Ohio State needs to win out because then that knocks out Michigan and Michigan State. That leaves three teams in the playoffs. That leaves the Bearcats. That leaves Georgia. leaves Ohio State and allows Notre Dame to slip in as number four because no one else is worthy as of right now in the list of teams behind us. Which would be setting up a two-three matchup between the Bearcats and Ohio State? Is that what you're telling me? Beautiful, my dream, <laughs> my wet dream. Hummer wants it. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, pal. Easy. Did you Get a little graphic after dark. Here. Get a little graphic here. No, I mean, look, that would be fun. Look, that is a narrative that we would love to see. There'd be so much hype around that game, and frankly, I'm sick of Ohio State skirting us. Every time we have a good team and we're we're project we're supposed to play them, they buy the game out and move it to a later date, and then they say, "Well, we beat you in 2019 by like 40, so obviously you're just as good then as you are now." No, play us when we're actually good and stop being scared, little sons of beep. Uh, I think you're being a little hard on the Ohio State fan when they do have that two years ago reference point that went went horrible for us. And I think like we we have to own the fact that that went very badly. I don't have to own the fact that we're a different team this year. Sure. I know. Over the result. We beat you in 2019. We're definitely going to beat you this year. I agree. I'm more I'm more confident this year. I think that there's there's more reasons to think that we would have a better chance of scoring this year against Ohio State. But 
But I'm just saying, you know, uh, scoring against that's the key there. Yeah. <laughs> just scoring period. Any points, some points, one point, two points. You score one touchdown. Do you celebrate as a victory? Sam, take us through what the lines look like against SMU. Cause I actually, you know, as sort of a, a sequitur into this next phase of our conversation, I actually felt more confident than I had in weeks that the Bearcats have now a legitimate path to the college football playoff after seeing Oklahoma lose the way they did after seeing Oregon look average at best against Washington state, very pedestrian, a slow pedestrian, a, a, a five-year-old walking down, you know, through the zoo pedestrian, you know, just lumbering, slow plotting I'd at halftime. Ugh, and then, gross. and then knowing that they went on, they're going on to play Utah, knowing that Ohio state's got a tough matchup coming up. You know, all of these things made me feel more confident. Um, and, and part of that was the fact that UC now gets to play a, an opponent with some level of national respect in SMU. So what exactly. is it, what's the line look like this coming Saturday? Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it was, it was slightly jarring to, to take a look at the, you know, some of the lines and numbers associated with this game and then just see such a change of pace from the past few weeks, you know, past few weeks, you know, we don't have to rehash it too much but it wasn't pretty uh couldn't buy a cover to save our lives but we were also looking at spreads with uh you know in into the into the 20s this week a little bit different um playing an opponent with a winning record awesome <laughs> bearcats minus 12 right now as of monday night uh, over under right at 65 that's a big one that's a big one um, but so, yeah, SMU, I mean, they put up 55 points a week ago against uh, Central Florida, so they can score, obviously. Um, what's the, that's what's a, that's a, Tanner, yeah, I mean, my first Tanner reaction. Tanner Mordecai can, can sling it, and then well, you see, here's the thing, though. They're past like ravaged by injuries. That's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving that UCF win too much, too much uh, press credit, well, credit that's here. That's peak, though. That's why I want to go back another week. Mordecai can sling it. He, he can, can sling, sling the football. He throws it. He can throw. He's a quarterback. He can throw. But look, okay, they're past two weeks. I want to go two weeks ago. Now. Like, yes, SMU puts up 55 a week ago. The week before that, they can they only score 25 in a loss to Memphis. So this is the hard-hitting analysis you you only get on since he's slanging, guys. Here's the difference between those two games. Up against Memphis. SMU only ran the ball for 59 total yards. When they put up 55 points against Central Florida, they rank, rank, racked up 241. Ooh. I think they're going to try to run the ball against the Bearcats defense. Ooh, that's interesting. That's a great stat. Great stat, Sam. I wish I had some sort of sound graphic for that or a, a buzzer to give you. That's a good stat. This is that's- the hard-hitting analysis you only get. That's extremely hard hitting. You punched me in the face with that one. Yeah. You know, I think as a Bearcat fan, I kind of felt hopeful that with a quarterback like Mordecai, who's got 37 touchdowns on the season, 10 interceptions, but 3,200 passing yards. You're, I, I felt hopeful that they would come into this game and feel like they were going to puff their chest out and try and throw on our defense. And I, that that would sort of play into the hands of what our strengths are. And then would naturally lead to more opportunities for turnovers, more three yeah. and outs, more advantageous you, field positions for our offense. 
But if, if SMU does come in with this disciplined game plan of we're going to run the ball again and again and again, taking a page out of the, the likes of Tulsa or Tulane and Navy, I, I do think that is a bit more, um, it, it, it feels makes me feel less comfortable as a Bearcat fan. You got to think that Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, that secondary are just licking their chops, hoping to get, you know, some shots at some, at some balls from Tanner Mordecai. And so here's the thing, even in that game last week, when they put up 55 points and scored, licking their chops ran to the get ball, some shots at some balls, ran, <laughs> even in this game, when they ran for 241 yards last week, Tanner Mordecai is throwing it 54 times. Okay. You, this, this Bearcat, Black Cats defense secondary would love for a quarterback to try to throw 54 times against them. Right. Right. Well, Absolutely. let's be real. We, we do know what so, their game plan is going to be. It's going to be the same game plan that the last four teams who've had inferior talent to what SMU has, and they're going to come out and try to run the ball and they're going to try and keep us off the field. And it's going to be our defense job to stop the run. That's frankly what's going to be. We're going to have to try to take away the run and say, yes, throw on us. You know, it, do we, do we even know about Kobe Bryant? Is, uh, is he back? Kobe Bryant was fine. Arquan Bush? Arquan Bush. No, yeah. Brian Cook. Or Brian both hurt. How dare you bring up the injury report without having it in front of you? How dare you? I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> At all. Bearcats injury report. Nice dead fish. <laughs> Look, SMU gained 631 yards. No, there out. is no time, Hummer. There is no time. You say that as if there's some magical timer that's occurring here this is a zoom you file on. you have the timer on i have no live to tape Palmer. we're doing it live you said you had a 10 minute timer on well we we're 16 minutes in right now friend so therefore you know go back four minutes from sounds about right minutes. there you go you are bombing <laughs> this podcast you are tanking it into the depths of the pacific ocean right now uh yeah uh, <laughs> i typed in uh, Bearcats injury report, and I get one from October third, two thousand ten. This is all staying in the podcast, Palmer. Just your ineptitude <laughs> at googling the Bearcats injury report. Here's what, here's what I want to talk about. Though. Make let the boy watch this. Deal. Let the boy watch. All right. Here's how I'm interested in this Bearcats defense, though, from a gambling perspective. Coomer, the Coomer special opponent went opponent point total. The SMU over-unders at 26 and a half. What do you think? Well, I lost this bet last week. I reversed the the Bearcats into scoring more than what their over-under total was at. I believe uh, I I had a hard time seeing them get six touchdowns. Touche to them. They they did it. They uh, moved the ball down the field quite a bit better. Quick note about Dez. Like, as soon as he threw that pick, uh, which was, frankly, you know, more on the play call, more on the – it was a tip pass – but was locked in and completed like the next 17 of 21 or 17 of 19 passes, just absolutely dialed in 26 and a half for SMU. I think it's interesting looking at the point totals of opponents here the last few weeks, dating back to central Florida, Bearcats have given up 21, 20, 12, 20, 28. This is by far the best offense. The Bearcats are playing uh, over the last five weeks now um, the most points they've given up on the entire season is to USF last week, 28. 
I, I see the Bearcats team locking in more than they've been locked in since that Central Florida game based on the opponent, based on the threat, based on having a team and a quarterback that are going to be more aggressive against them. I think that plays right into their favor. I actually would take the under on SMU's total here and think that the Bearcats are going to hold them to 21, 24 points, something like that. And that's going to be a pick of mine. I'm taking the the team like under it. for the Mustangs. All right. The UC team total, by the way, 38 and a half. Um, feels like the first time in a while that that, that, that line hasn't been in the 40s. Do we know yeah. Jerome Ford's going to play? That's an over. We don't Jerome know. Did you just ask if Jerome Ford was going to play. We don't know. Dude, doing, I can't find. I can't find the report. You are literally doing the exact same thing with another player. Do we know if he's going to play? How do? How would we know, Hummer? Classic. Hummer. You, uh, are you guys trying to find these uh, injury reports as well? No, they no. You took right this now. upon yourself. <laughs> it's Monday. They don't exist. <laughs> how am I supposed to make my bet projections here without knowing? If some of our best players well, are going to be playing, Sam, you know, that's just, a good gambling uh, theory I, topic I to, to talk about. Do you bet is, early or late? Do you want to wait to see any line <laughs> movement or not? This um, is a so let me give you the full menu, and I feel obligated to shut it down. <laughs> give me the full menu. <laughs> Bearcats minus twelve, over under right at sixty five. So here's just for the first half, we can get Bearcats minus seven, and an over under at thirty two. And then in that first quarter, I'm done with this bet, by the way. This is my sucker bet. I keep getting sucked in. I'm done. First quarter line this week. College football first quarters. Is Bearcats minus five and a half over under a 14. And lastly, those team totals again, Bearcats 38 and a half. Mustangs 26 and a half. Homer, what do you like? (laughs) I don't like any of it. Um, I'm taking the Bear for once. I'm taking the... uh... I'm taking the uh, I'm taking the under, and I'm taking the um, I'm taking the Bearcats money line. That's it. Wow, <laughs> those money lines are sitting Hummer. at like minus four thirty five to five hundred yeah. or so. I can't take yeah. the Bearcats to cover. I need to throw some some. I need to reverse the jinx here. I need to well, go the opposite direction just, with these. Cats. I feel like we're all just reversing roles this week because I'm I'm all about the Bearcats covering the twelve this week. I think this is it. It's a they. It's a bigger, bigger, a little bit bigger name opponent. A little bit more importance. You know, I'm very be... bullish. I'm very bullish on the Bearcats' men- mental state, and I think that their mentals get right this week with a real opponent on the schedule. I think that I, I think it's been a complete mind fuck for them the past five weeks, uh, four weeks. The past four weeks going Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF. I just think that was the ultimate. Uh, whatever, I guess, I think, I guess we're playing. All right. I think the pressure bit was building too. And they, they, they could just feel the chatter and and the the, pressure and the chatter and the, and the, you got to beat these teams by this many points. Guess what? There's no minimum, no minimum threshold for how much you have to beat us. And you buy, we're going in there with a win, win this game mentality. And that's going to naturally lead to the Bearcats dropping a nice 49 piece on SMU for a, for a, 21 plus victory over the st- over the uh, I almost called them the stallions, but the Mustangs. <laughs> I mean, I'm going, you know, because of that, you just have to win mentality. I'm going money line, just win. <laughs> Coward, who are you? What have you done with our Hummer? 
Hummer, any uh, any other guys you want to ask about their medical status? And we can, uh, I don't know, talk about it on the podcast? I think it sounds fun. I think people love listening to that. This is uh, great radio. How's Gus Malzahn's leg? Is he okay? What's his status? Are they lowering his stand another foot 12 inches this week? Can he get a little closer to the field? You're just, you're just hating. You're just hating. You know, it's all questions we all want to know the answer to. Well, of course we do. And sure. we, 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 we should get some answers throughout. The we should week. ask him. The on other the thing I want to say to might have, get those answers right now to Monday. To, <laughs> I'm not going to let it die. So yes. In addition to checking these lines throughout the week, as they may, you know, move here and there, uh, you got to keep an eye out. Maybe not until like late Friday night or early Saturday, a little bit of player props. This is definitely a game that the books will, throw some player props out on uh you'll get you'll see some mordecai over unders des ritter over unders hopefully jerome some, uh, ford over unders i would like to yeah see jerome ford over unders i would say whoever they they would probably they'll probably they'll probably put him out there even if they don't know his status right but uh if i had get- to take if i were a betting man i'd say jerome ford is going to be back him and, and ramfo were we're both dressed we know that they were expected to win that game by a lot, so it's why play them. Oh, Give for sure. Extra week of rest. By the way, you just said if I'm I back. were a betting man during a betting segment, you yeah. are a betting man. You Thank are you. a betting man. We, we well, I'm, betting, I'm betting he's back. We've been playing good for Bearcats parlays and losing our shirts week in week oh. out. And guess what? I'm not going to stop. All right, we have to touch on it then. All right, the, all... Let's, yes. let's wrap it up here with a, with a good for Bearcats parlay. What are we looking at? All right, the bet. The first of all. We have. Well, We're starting Michigan with Utah, State. right? We got to start with Utah. Oh yeah, that's and that's Utah, on, uh, Oregon. Isn't that a weeknight game? That's the Friday. That's a Friday game, isn't it? Why that is, is. If this is a Friday game, this could just make Saturday so much better. All right, it's not. It's a Saturday game. Oh Saturday no! Here's game. the one I was thinking of though: is Houston, Memphis is a fr- the Friday night game. Houston minus nine and a half. So right, we're gonna we're put that in. We're gonna put them in there because yes, we want Houston to win. No doubt. Bearcats money line goes in for sure. For sure. I'm not touching that Ohio State Michigan State game because um so wait, you're unless, taking on the on the everything good parlay for Cincinnati yeah, now. Now you're is, taking the money yeah. line. You're not taking the uh we only Bearcats do money lines on yes, the, on this is just results. Are just you results. High? Got it. What? It's always been money line. We didn't do money line the first time we did this. We did the Bearcats with the spread because we needed style points. We it's decided Ohio- we oh, okay. to do it anymore because they were ruining it with the not getting the style points. Are we saying Ohio State winning would actually be good for the Bearcats? Well, yeah. W- like, what is the bet? Like, what is best there? I'd we, say. Oh my it, God! Isn't that? Do tough? we just want Ohio- to get Ohio State a loss now? And then that would really but then up Michigan State to win. Michigan on the road. State I actually, is I'd gonna, rather see Ohio State win this game. I don't think it really that, matters. Like I think I think the Big Ten is getting one team in no matter what. And okay, yeah, you're right. It's, no, it's there's probably no way going to be that, Ohio State. They might as well keep winning and beat Michigan okay. State for the Michigan for our purposes. We're going to say that Ohio State is going to be that team. Yep. So put Ohio I, State in there. I agree with you. Then we need Notre Dame to continue winning. Notre oh, Dame's so we'll got to go for in. Ohio State this week. What the? What the take heck? them to beat Georgia Tech. 
uh, we're going to need Arkansas to do us a solid against Alabama, right? Or are we just considering Alabama? See, I just feel like this is where we get to like what is actually best again. I I, I don't want to bet against and Alabama, Alabama look, until any, the SEC championship game. I know an Alabama are. loss though is still it's still a good thing. A two loss Alabama with one in the at twenty five. Uh, granted, Arkansas will immediately jump to uh, nine to make went, that a, a legit loss. I want to omit Alabama loss. from this or Arkansas okay. from this as a, as a methods of a method of reverse. Do you know what you would do actually? Do you we care enough do, about Michigan, Maryland, Arkansas with the cover, Arkansas with the cover? No, no we're we, staying away entirely. Despite what Chris decision. Hummer says, despite what Chris Hummer says, Maryland does not have the talent to keep up with Michigan. They are, they are <laughs> not quite talented enough to win that game. All right, and Burn. that one doesn't that one doesn't ultimately matter if we're sticking with yeah okay, but we do absolutely want Utah. Utah to, is in the good for to Cincinnati. Be Oregon. Yes. Absolutely. So there's a five legger here now with Houston, Bearcats, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Oh, uh, we want Utah. Texas Tech to beat Oklahoma State. Oh, I'm um, see. I've already I've already written off the Big Twelve. Well, but I would just just for good measure. Get get Oklahoma State in with another loss. Mm, I've written them off. I've written I'm them off, especially to. especially because OU and OSU play next week. Yeah, get me give me Oklahoma State with two losses going into that game. I feel a lot better. <laughs> it is. Hummer, good. Hummer might be right. Like we might be betraying tra- yeah. the essence of the good for Cincinnati parlay by omitting so many games. So you know what? Texas Tech at home, we Oklahoma need, State. They go in the parlay. Yeah, we need Texas Tech in here to really. Oh, that juice plus this. that tech. Yeah, that thing's gonna juice it up. Being we need to juice this thing up a little bit. All right, now we're up to six legs: Houston, Bearcats, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Utah, and Texas Tech. Juiced up to uh, plus one thousand one hundred ninety-one. So we're gonna throw down twenty bucks to win two hundred fifty-eight. Oh, that's a terrible good for Bearcats parlay. I mean, that means, that, that means there's no boldness there. That means it doesn't feel like there's as much, you know, good that it can means happen. We're going to hit week. it. <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned it before. Utah is favored. Utah is favored. That's right. That's right. The okay. biggest, the biggest, our biggest, our only, our only underdog is Texas Tech at plus. Here's how, here's how you juice it up, honestly. You would Arkansas. take in, you would take Utah to cover. Here's the thing, boys. Our, if we're not, if we don't want to betray the essence of this bet, Arkansas is a top twenty-five team. Throw them in the parlay. They're a top twenty-five team playing Alabama on the road. That's the that's the essence. Of, that's let's let's juice. That's it what up. the people want. Arkansas the, is in the good for Bearcats because we know Alabama losing to Arkansas is not good for them. Like that is not good. That is good for UC. That's a that is that's a great. Now we're UC. talking. That's a great now we're, outcome now we're, for UC. I feel like the staple of the good for Bearcats parlay should be that 20 bucks should be getting us into, into quadruple digits. And this time we're at 20 bucks. We can turn 20 bucks into $2,324 and 75 There we go. That's there the good go. for Bearcats parlay. That's, that's and if Ruby, you listened that's, this that's, long that's into the podcast, right God there. bless you. If you've listened this long, uh, DM me and, and I will shout you out on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Let's leave it there, boys. Uh, nothing <laughs> left from me unless Hummer's got some final thoughts on uh, uh, his nagging ear injury. Um, you know, I'm just curious. You know, he got Tyler Van Fossen, Arthur Bush, Leonard Taylor. I regret Charles it. Cleland, I regret it. Alec Pierce. Like, what's Cheers, going boys. On? Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats. <laughs> I regret nothing.